It's good to be here with you today as we continue our series back to basics. Uh, We're getting in this series hopefully to those important pieces of our faith that sometimes are neglected. Uh, We neglect them because uh, they're not as noticeable. You know, we live in a time and a culture and a place where it seems that we are most concerned with what's on the outside and looking good on the outside, that we spend so much time looking good on the outside that we don't spend much attention sometimes with what's on the inside. And so last week we talked a lot about prayer and how prayer gives shape and structure and integrity to our lives. Um, I, I drew the last few weeks this, this kind of this triangle. Eugene Peterson talks about our spiritual life being uh, sort of like a triangle where if you're looking at it, you know, from the outside, all you can see are those lines, but it is the angles, the interior angles within the triangle that give it shape and structure, and that's true with us as, as Christ followers, and if you're here this morning as a Christ follower, it's time for us to realize that we've got to pay attention to the interior because it's easily noticed when somebody's inside and out don't match. You know, we've all had those moments where we talk to somebody and we're like, you know, they said that, but I didn't feel that. Or, you know, they, they, they acted this way, but I, I got a different vibe from them. You know, we've all had those moments. And you might be here as somebody who's not a Christ follower, and, and you've been really turned off by the way that you've interacted with some Christ followers, and it seemed like the outside looked good, but the interior was a mess, and there was no real structure or integrity uh, or heart to them. And so this series is really about trying to get back to the basics, the interior things, those personal things. Uh, I say it's personal, not private, because our faith is personal, but it's not private. Those things we do in personal you know, time, whether it's prayer or reading your scripture or like what we're going to look at today, just trying to live a life of love with other people, it's something that, that you see from the outside. Um, today we're going to be talking about just dealing with difficult people and sort of where is our heart and our mind and this thing that you know I like to think about is our attitude. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that here today. Um, it reminded me of a story that John Maxwell told of a mother and a daughter who went shopping uh, in the mall. If, if you don't know what a mall is, we actually still have one here. Uh, Sears is going bankrupt. I suspect the mall isn't too far behind. I mean, we hate to admit it, but it's probably reality. Um, and you can go to the mall and shop, and, you know, Black Friday's a big deal. You used to not do it at home on your computer. You actually used to go to stores. That's just how this used to work. Some of you, this is new. Um, but mom and daughter have been shopping all day, one of those painful days of holiday shopping where you're going in and out of stores, and the crowds are there, and it takes forever, and there's always lines. And mom's grouchy. You've you've ever met gone shopping with grouchy people? If you've gone shopping with me, you've gone shopping with a grouchy person. Um, But mom's grouchy, and they're getting ready to leave the store, and the mom says to the daughter, she said, Honey, did you see that ugly look that the sales clerk gave to me as I was leaving? And the daughter said, Mom, the sales clerk didn't give you that look. You had it when you came in. Um, you know, you had that look when you went into the store. Nobody gave that to you. You brought it with you. Um, this is how it is with Christians, I think. Uh, you know, we, we like to maybe blame other people, but honestly, we, we had that look. We had that attitude. And it's something we got to work on on the interior. Um, it can be hard, but it's important we do this. Uh, Peter, Uh, One of the apostles, one of Jesus' closest friends, he was one of those people that sort of, I think, had a bad attitude uh, a lot of times. 
Uh, he's, he's saying a lot of stuff. He doesn't think before he speaks. Um, he cuts a guy's ear off uh, with a sword. I mean, that's sort of one of the low points of Peter's life. Uh, he had a lot of impulsive behavior, uh, and yet he spends his time with Jesus, and Jesus, it really changes his life. And, and as it gets a little bit later in Peter's life, he writes this letter to a church, and we've got this letter recorded in the New Testament. We call it First Peter. And it's here that he's going to talk a little bit about attitude. He's going to talk a little bit about this idea of love. And I want to read it to you. It's a little bit longer text, but uh, let me read it to you right here. It's from 1 Peter chapter 3, and here's what he says. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed." Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the Spirit. Friends, what Peter is telling us real simply, uh, real basic terms, is this. Is that as Christians, we're called to upgrade hate to love. We are called, as Christ followers, to upgrade hate to love. This is, I think, actually a core basic tenet of Christianity that we don't maybe think about or talk about a whole lot. But what Jesus you know, had taught in his ministry, what Peter's reminding us of in this letter, is that when somebody does wrong to you, when somebody does evil to you, when somebody acts with hate towards you, we have the capacity as Christ followers to be able to return that hate with love, to be able to return that unkindness with, uh, with kindness, to be able to return the rudeness with gentleness. This is what we're called to do. Uh, what it means is we're not getting uh, even, we're not paying back somebody evil for evil. You know, Peter is writing this at a time when it's hard to be a Christ follower. You know, uh, they are dealing with persecution. Some of it might be government persecution, but we know there's social persecution happening. And these people are being persecuted just because they believe in Jesus, in addition to dealing with rude and unkind people that, you know, they're, everybody's always going to deal with. And so this is a hard time for them to be Christ followers. And he's saying, listen, you have it within your capacity to repay or to upgrade people's hate to love. I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking about uh, sort of the way that we might think about it is, is where you've got sort of a positive and a negative charge. You've got a, a positive and a negative charge, and, you know, if you could think of a person sort of somewhere on the spectrum here, you know, you're going to fall somewhere, you know, between negative and between positive. You know, you're going to have a good attitude, you're going to have a loving attitude, you're going to have an unkind attitude, you're going to have, uh, you know, a, a hateful attitude. Those are kind of your spectrums that you've got. 
And I was thinking about us maybe sort of in terms of like an emotional battery, you know, where some people walk around and they're completely empty in their charge. And when you have an interaction with somebody who's maybe particularly negative, they just dump a bunch of negative energy at you, into you, and the best that you could do is to just return that negative energy back to them. But what Peter is teaching us and what he's telling us is, listen, when people are evil to you, he said, you've got more than negative energy. You, you're not empty. He said, you have been filled with the love of God. You have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, you have the capacity when they come at you with negativity to come back at them with positivity. When they come at you with hate to come at them with love. Now, what might this look like in uh, the real world? Because I, I get that this is sort of a difficult concept for us to maybe want to accept. Uh, I was uh, listening to Craig Grishel, who uh, is the pastor of, the, of America's largest church. It's Life Church, and uh, he's a real interesting guy. If you've never seen him, he looks like Tom Cruise at his, at his prime. Not Tom Cruise jumping up and down on the couch of Oprah. Not that Tom Cruise, but the Tom Cruise of Top Gun. This is the Tom Cruise that we're talking about. And not like... Tom Cruise is like four foot tall. Uh, Craig Grishel is like 6'6", six, six, and he spent some time in the gym. So Craig's a pretty big, imposing figure. And he said he was pumping gas one day. Uh, he lives in Oklahoma. You, you thought only nice people lived in Oklahoma, but he's pumping gas, and he's got his kids in the car, and all of a sudden this guy just comes out of nowhere and starts yelling at him. He's calling him everything but Christian. He's not calling him pastor. He's calling him a lot of other things. He's, he's threatening to kick his you-know-what, and he, it's, it's getting ugly here at the gas station in front of Craig's kids. And what are we going to do here? And so Craig, he tells the kids, he says, roll up the windows, don't look, he said, because something's about to go down. He just is, he's convinced that something is going to happen. And so Craig just says, I was there, I was listening to the guy, I was just letting him yell at me, and I just, just sort of asked him, what's your name? You know, what's going on in your life? What, you know, what's happening? And he said in less than three minutes, this guy went from threatening, you know, to kick him to he had his head on his shoulder and he was sobbing because this man had just lost his child. And this guy was angry with God, and he was angry with the church, and he thought he was angry with Craig too. But, but what transformed that interaction? Because how many people, if you get into that, you're going, well, it's, it's showtime. Craig said, you know what? I, I have more in me than this hate. I've got more in me than this negativity. I'm going to repay hate with love. And that's what transformed that moment. And I think God is calling us to that type of transformation. It maybe is not going to be that dramatic, and I, you know, I understand that. But I think when we start to transform hate, to upgrade hate to love, I think amazing things happen. And so I want to spend the rest of our time here this morning talking about ways we might do that practically. All right, the first thing is this. If we're going to upgrade hate to love, we've got to hold things in perspective. We've got to sort of keep it all, you know, it, with the right viewpoint. I want to give you about four thoughts that can help you have the right perspective, different places to kind of get a vantage point on difficult interactions with difficult people. Uh, the first thing that Peter mentions is this idea of eternity. He talks about how, you know, there's, 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 you know, there's heaven, there's going to be this eternal reward. Uh, I think one of the things that we have a problem with as Christ followers is sometimes we think about life in terms of 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 100, you know, if, if we've got a long life. But Peter says, listen, all of this that we're dealing with is just like a, a fraction of a second on the scope 
of eternity. You know, we're going to be living for eternity with God. And so if we lived our lives knowing that our interactions possibly had eternal ramifications and that to overlook an offense was just a momentary, you know, thing that we had to do in light of eternity, I think that we would probably have a lot more patience. Uh, not that long ago, I put a survey out to the church and, and put it on Facebook, and I was asking, you know, what are some things you want to talk about in 2019? It blew me away. The number one response of, of uh, several topics listed was heaven. I, I think we are hungry for heaven, and we need to be hungry for heaven, and we need to be thinking about heaven. And if we thought about heaven more, and we thought about the nature of reality in life, I think we could have a lot more grace and patience in this particular moment. So that's one sort of place to stand and look at a difficult situation. Uh, another place, another vantage point would be this, is that my negative relationship with people, the, the anger that I might have towards somebody, the, the hatred or the grudge or, or the lack of forgiveness, it, it actually affects me and my relationship with God. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew 5.23. He said, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar... Now, let's just pause for a moment, because what Jesus is saying is essentially, listen, if you're coming to church, you know, at this time it was the temple, if you're going to come to the temple and you're going to bring God a present, you're going to give God a gift, and you're going to try to get right with God, he said, if you're going to church and you, you know, you're getting ready to get right with Jesus, and he said, and you remember that you have something with your brother or sister, that they've got an issue with you, he said, here's what you need to do. You need to leave your gift there. Just sort of hit pause and say, God, I'm going to come back for this. I've got to go make things right with my brother and sister. He says, first go be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. You see, Scripture teaches in several places that when we have friction and conflict in our relationships and we refuse to forgive and we you know, choose to hold on to a grudge, that what happens is there is a block, there's an interruption that happens in our relationship with God. And I don't know what kind of, of anger or even hatred or grudge you brought in here with you this morning, but here's what I know about that grudge, is that it is not worth jeopardizing your relationship with God to hold on to it. It's time to let go of that grudge so that way you can take hold of the grace and forgiveness that God wants to offer to you. So that's the second sort of vantage point we need to have if we're going to hold these things in perspective. Uh, here's a, a, a third thing I think we need to remember is that when we're kind to other people, they're kinder to us. I've been trying this experiment lately. Um, you know, this digital purgatory we all have to deal with from time to time called customer service. You know, it's got that 800 number you call, um, you know, and they've got a real thick accent, maybe like from India, but their name's Carl. I mean, it's, it's amazing how this works. And you call in and you wait for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and you know, it's unplug your computer. Well, we've already done that. It's plug it back in. Well, we've done that a few times. That's why we're calling you. We figured out the power problem. What else is happening? All right, if you could unplug it one more time. This is kind of where we're at. And I've started this thing where I've, I've spent the extra 10 seconds that's required, sort of an experiment, to simply say, hey, Carl, um, how's your day been? Has it been a rough day at the call center today? That's the question. And like, there's always a pause on the other end of the line, and they're like, yes. Everybody that calls here is mad. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. You know, uh, there's, there's an approach here that maybe you could adopt that would be a little different, but we won't get into that right now. Yeah, it's been a rough day. I just hung up with this person, and they yelled at me, and 
I'm mad and I'm hurt and I'm a human being. I mean, there's like, there's a real person on the other side of this phone and you start to make this connection. And I don't know if you've ever called customer service, whether it's you've shipment loss or whatever, but there's always a point in time where I have this sense like they could do something, but they choose to not do something because they don't want to do something. Have you ever had this moment? Some of you are nodding your head. Yes. Here's what I have found, and I've only done this a few times. When I start by recognizing their humanity, that they've had a bad day, I've found that there's a lot more patience with me on the phone. You know, that they're like, you know, I, I, I'm not supposed to do this, but let me see. And all of a sudden I'm on hold. And now all of a sudden my problem's taken care of. When we're kinder with other people, they're kinder with us. Somebody comes at you with anger and hate and they're mad and they want to complain. And you're like, man, it sounds like you've had a bad day. What can I do to help you? All of a sudden the situation is diffused and now all of a sudden people are kind to us. It's pragmatic. It's helpful. If we're kind to other people, we will find that they're kind to us. Uh, here's another thing I think that's important is that we need to realize that our relationship with this person is going to last beyond this interaction. You know, our relationship with this person is going to go beyond this conversation. And so what is going to be left when we're done? You know, what's going to be left when this conversation is over? What is the status of our relationship going to be? And let's ask this question to hold it all in perspective. If you were going to then, after that interaction, tell them about Jesus who loves them, how's that going to be received? How's that going to be received? You know, I have to admit, I'm glad that I have a relationship with Jesus and that I love him because I've met enough Christians who, by their attitude, have tried to talk me out of believing in Jesus. Friends, there's going to be a relationship left over at the end of this. How intact is it going to be? What's it going to look like? Is it going to be healthy? Are we going to be able to have this opportunity that Peter talks about as being able to share the hope that is within us? You know, the Apostle Paul, he was also a preacher. He was also a writer. And he writes a letter to a church in the city of Philippi, and he is writing it in prison. He's been in prison for his faith. And here's what he says. Here, Listen for his attitude. He says, brothers and sisters, what I want you to know that what has happened to me has really helped to spread the good news. He said, I'm sitting in prison. I'm chained here. I don't, I'm waiting for a trial. I don't know what's going to happen. He said, but you know what? This has been a good thing because the gospel has, has been able to, to go out. He says, one thing's become clear. I'm being held by chains because of my stand for Christ. All of the palace guard and everyone else knows it. Friends, we've got to remember that despite our circumstances and situations, we have the capacity to upgrade hate with love, and we can do that if we start to hold things in perspective. The second thing we need to do that sort of fits in with what we were just talking about is we need to constantly look for opportunities to share our hope. You know, uh, Peter here, he talks about how we will share an answer for the hope that is within us. Notice he didn't say faith for the faith that's within you or the love that's within you. He said the hope that's within you. It, hope's one of those things that, that looks forward. It looks, it looks for satisfaction, not now, but later. I hope that this will come. And for the Christ follower, it's a confident hope. It's a confident expectation. And, and Peter says this. He says, listen, if, if you refuse to get drugged down into these temporary squabbles, and if you refuse to get drugged through the mud, and if you refuse to have this bad attitude, people are going to start to wonder about your values. They're going to start to go, Wait, aren't you, you should be upset about this. And you say, well, you know, I wasn't really hoping on this. I'm hoping on something else. Friends, that's what we've got to do is look for this opportunity to share our hope. 
our hope needs to be placed in Christ, that Christ is going to continue that sanctifying work inside of us, that Christ is going to bring us to himself, that Christ will one day take us to a place of perfection. That's our hope, that we're going to let God be God. But when we refuse to let God be God and we don't put our hope in him, anger and hatred starts to grow inside of us. It starts to consume us. Because if, as we go through bad you know, circumstances in life, we either get consumed with revenge, you know, where we're saying, I'm going to be God and I'm going to make things right, or we become a victim and we say, you know, this other person with their action and their words has so defined who I am that they get to be God in my life. Friends, it's time for us to put those things aside and say, you know what, my hope is in Christ. I'm going to surrender myself to him and trust that he is going to make things right. Third, this is just a piece of reality. We have to remember that it is better to suffer for good than for evil. Here's what I would love to tell you. I would love to tell you that if you are nice to everybody, everybody will always be nice to you. I'd love to tell you that. I'd love to tell you that if you are always honest, people are always going to be honest with you. I'd love to tell you that if you deal fairly with people, they will always deal fairly with you. But we all know that's not true. You know, we, we sort of have our hope that, you know, eventually these things catch up to people, which is why we can sort of tell our kids, you know, cheaters never prosper. But sometimes they do, don't they? You get stepped on as somebody steps on top of you to get to where they want to go. That's life. And Peter knows it. And people have been stepping on his church, and people have stepped on him. And here's what he has to say. He says, it's better for us to suffer for doing what's right than for doing what's wrong. He said, it's better if people look at you and see bad things that have happened to you. It's better if people will look at you and say, you know what, you didn't deserve that. Then for people to look at you and say, you totally got what was coming to you. Peter says it's better for us to suffer for doing good than for doing wrong. And so I guess this kind of comes to this question of values. If we're going to have this perspective, what do I want more? Do I want, you know, sort of success in, in the world's opinion? Do I want to, you know, do I want to get to the top at all costs? Or do I want to know that I have a right relationship with God? D do I know that my satisfaction comes with a loving relationship with Jesus Christ that is open and honest with him and the people around me? Is that what I want most? If it is, then we can say with Peter, it is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Here's how Jesus said it in his ministry, Matthew chapter 5. He said, blessed are those who suffer for doing what is right. It happens. He says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are you when people make fun of you and hurt you because of me. He said, if you've been persecuted for your faith, he said, you know what? I saw that and I will repay you. He says, you are blessed when they tell all kinds of evil lies about you because of me. Be joyful and be glad. Your reward in heaven is great. In the same way, people hurt the prophets who lived long ago. Friends, it is just reality. We will sometimes suffer for doing what is right. But Jesus says, you know what, that's okay. Consider yourself blessed. I've noticed, and I'm going to repay you for that. Uh, last sort of piece of perspective that we need to hold is this, is that we need to rely on Christ's sacrifice for the love that we need to upgrade. You know, most of the time, kindness doesn't cost a lot. You know, it's, it's taking an extra second to say, how are you? It's taking the extra second to play, say please. It's saying, taking the extra second to say thank you, to say I appreciate you, I acknowledge you, what's your name? You know, that's normally what kindness costs us, which isn't a whole lot, but time. But there are times when, you know, we know that nothing in life is free, and it costs me something to forgive. It costs me something to move on. 
You know, it, it, it's difficult sometimes when you deal with difficult people to upgrade their hate to love. It comes at a cost to us. It, it, forgiveness in a lot of ways is like grieving something. You know, when somebody does wrong to you, they've essentially taken something from you, and forgiveness means that I'm going to pay myself back for what you did. In other words, I'm going to absorb the loss. And we've got to sort of just identify, you know, this is what's been lost, this is what's happened. Sometimes it's really helpful to call out the sin that's been done to us and just say, that's what happened to me. But then there's another part of this, and that's sort of to grieve it and to say goodbye to it and say, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move forward. And sometimes we've got to rely on Christ's sacrifice. We've got to rely on God's love uh, to supplement our own love. Because to sort of come back to our number line here, you know, we're sort of this, this limited capacity here. You know, we've got, you know, a set amount. But when we tap into the love of Christ, it, it gives us this infinite amount of love and, and what I'm just calling here this morning, positive energy, where I can take unkindness and transform it into kindness. It gives me the ability to tap into God's infinite goodness so that way I can pay back evil for good. Uh, that's what it does. Now, but I was thinking about this a little bit more, and I started thinking about this in terms, you know, of electricity. Like, let's say you've got a battery where you've got a, a, a minus and a positive, because I think sometimes we're sort of connected, but we don't feel the power of God. I, I started thinking about, like, you know, let's say you've, you've got a lamp and you plugged it into the, the outlet here. It, you know, it, it might be, you know, dark. The light bulb might not be on. Or, or you get those flashlights, you know, you put the batteries in there, and you can look in, it's got all those little metal pieces that are there, but, you know, you screw the lid back on, and, and it's not turned on. I mean, everything's there. There's positive energy, there's negative energy, but there's, there's no light, I was talking to this guy one time who worked at a railroad yard. They got a lot of big industrial stuff there. And he, he loved watching the, the uh, yard electrician. He said, because this guy was fearless. He said, they'd have these giant, you know, like 4,000 gigawatt, you know, uh, power breakers. Uh, you know, that's the technical term for it. And, you know, he said that they'd have to put in a new breaker to this thing that's, you know, connected directly to some nuclear power plant someplace. And he said all he would do is put a rubber mat on the floor. He'd never turn it off. And he would just stand on that rubber mat. And he would just drill into that thing. And he'd just go to town. He said, and he never got shocked. If you've been on a farm and, you know, there's that electric fence and you're wearing those rubber boots, you can grab a hold of it and it doesn't shock you. But, you know, if somebody comes behind you with tennis shoes and they grab a hold of it, it shocks them. What's, what's the difference? Why is the lamp not on? Why does the flashlight not work? Why, why is this guy able to drill into this thing and not get shocked? Why is one person able to grab the electric fence and not get shocked and the other person, you know, gets a zap? Well, when you grab a hold of that electric fence and you don't have that insulation, it's the positive and negative come together that lights you up. <laughs> That's what happens. Okay, and this, this guy over here, he could, he could drill into that, you know, 4,000 gigawatt, you know, power bar because he's not making a connection between the positive and the negative. And the same thing's true with your lamp, you know, it's, it's plugged in, there's electricity there, but they've not made that point of connection yet. The positive hasn't met the negative and the same thing's true with your flashlight. You've got everything you need for light there. All you've got to do is flip the switch. What happens when you flip the switch, the positive and the negative, they come together. And as I started to think about that, I started to think, this makes a lot of sense because, you know, we've got a lot of Christ followers who are over here, and, and they're saying, you know what? I know who Jesus is, but I don't feel the power of God in my life. 
Well, you've got connection with the positive, but you've never allowed God's power to come and connect with your negative. You've never been honest with God and said, you know what, God, I need you. I need your positive energy to connect with my negative energy. When you do that, you'll experience the power of God. Now, some of you have done that, but you still live in this insulated place. And you've yet to take God's power and allow that to connect with somebody else's negativity. But let me tell you what happens. If you do and you start to connect that negativity and you connect it with somebody else's positivity, you will see, you will see the power of God illuminate that person's life. Now, others of you might be on this other side. You're, you're sort of over here in the negative zone and you're saying, man, I've never experienced the power of God. That's because you've never grabbed a hold of the cross. And that's when it sort of made sense to me. All of a sudden I started to realize, you know, it's the cross that connects God's love with the negativity of the world's hatred. You know, the cross is one of those things where people looked at Jesus, God's son, and they said, you know what, we hate you so much, we want you to die on the cross. And God said, I can take all of that negative energy, I can take all of that sinfulness, I can take all of that darkness, I can take all of that hatred, and watch what happens. You think you're going to put me out, but watch what happens when you connect your negativity with my positivity. And God takes the world's hatred and he transforms it into his love. And this amazing connection happens on the cross. And it's that same connection that happens every time somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ and they say, you know what, I'm going to take my negativity and I'm going to connect it to the positivity of God. It happens every time you upgrade somebody's hatred in, in, in an interaction that you have, and you say, you know what, I know that all you've got in your life is hate, but I want to show you something amazing, and you connect their negativity with the power of God, and you upgrade hate to love. Friends, this morning, we're going to sing a song of decision, because I know that you know, there's some of you that have not experienced that. You've lived in an isolated place. Maybe you've known about God, but you've never accepted God. Maybe you, you've never known about God, but you know that where you're living is a place of darkness. It doesn't have to be that way. This morning, if you've got a decision to receive Christ, to connect your life to God's power, we're going to invite you to come forward as we sing this song. Why don't you go ahead and stand?